Okay, grab your Bibles and let's go to Matthew 13 and continue some thoughts from this text. Uh, Amplify, you guys can head out, uh, head out now um, with your teachers. Blessings on what you all, you all learn. Thanks, team, for that beautiful song. We're actually going to sing that song together to close our service today. Um, uh, it's got a beautiful melody and fantastic words. So we're in this, in this series called By the Book, <clears throat> and this series had its genesis um, a few while ago. As elders, we uh, had uh, some time together with what are, the, what are the areas in our church where we need to sit and reflect and think and maybe produce some papers that um, underlie how we think and operate as a church. And the first one that we said that we really needed to do, even though in many ways it, it seems something that shouldn't be in doubt, was one on the authority of Scripture. And why we did that is because fundamentally that forms the basis of, of everything else we're going to talk about. Like if you don't come together around the Scriptures and say that is the primary place where we find out what truth is, where we understand what reality is, what pushes against the the lies and the fantasy and the deceit of this world, then where are you going to get it? It's going to be based on human opinions, right? So, so we believe this. We believe that this is this book given to us by God through human authors that is the truth. So that's what Nick and Bradley have been teaching us in the first three sessions in this series. And we wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly believe that is the fundamental thing for our church. But I'll, I want to move into another space now and thinking and reflecting on that. Because if you'd have asked me in growing up, and I grew up in a church that believed that very same thing, I would have agreed with it, with my mouth. But I would, didn't live it from my heart. Do you understand the difference? This is why we're in the parable of the sower, because the parable of the sower is saying it's a good word, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that word, that that seed, will find a place in the hearer, in the heart of the hearer, that means that it will grow and produce a crop. So for me, I was like one of those first two, probably. Either the seed was sitting on a hard path that had no chance to grow because I was far more interested in the things of the world than I was in Christian things. Now, I wasn't absent from the church for most of that, right? I was present in the church, much to my shame. Or it might have been like the ones that fell on the, the rock. That there was some sort of growth. There was at times maybe that I had some joy in the reflection of what the gospel was. But I, I had no root. So something the sun would come up and that, that, there's all sorts of things that that could be. It could be troubles in your life. But it could just be the things that, are, that call you out in the world. And that's what, what I was. I had no root. And so I was just continually scorched. So I distinctly remember when I was 19, I had just finished my first year at university, and I had plans for that summer, but um, uh, I was still living at home uh, off my parents. It's a whole other story. Um, and uh, they wanted me to go out and, and help at a camp. 
And so I kind of felt a bit obligated and I went along to that camp. I remember hearing the speaker each day speak out of Ephesians chapter 6 on the armor of God. And it's like I heard the word for the first time. Have you ever had that experience? Suddenly, the scriptures come alive in you. You want to hear them. You want to hear what they've got to say in a way that you are prepared to say no to things that transforms you, that changes you on the inside and on the outside. I remember it. I remember coming back and saying to my friends and my, university, my high school friends and my university students that I know, I can't do those things anymore. That's, that's, that's not where I put my priorities in my life. Now, I see many of you nodding because you, you know what that is, don't you, right? This is what we say when we go by the book. We're not just saying, I understand it intellectually. It's something that shifts and changes me deep in my soul. And it's, it's, it's found in this part in where Jesus says it. We didn't actually read it this morning with the, with the kids um, here with us. But Jesus says the parable, and interestingly enough, he just, he just says it like a, like a story. There's no flash spin on it. There's no big marketing kind of element. He doesn't do an altar call at the end. He just tells the story about a farmer sowing seed. And we go, well, why is he throwing it on the path? And why is he throwing it on the rocks? Well, in those days, they, they didn't have the, the tools, the technology to be able to get the soil and the weather. So they just had to throw it and, and, and hope that, that it would fall in places where it would grow and hopefully produce a crop, right? And so he says this, and the disciples are confused. Why are you talking about farming when you, it's got nothing to do with spiritual things? And it's like people, there's, there's, a, there's a, a coin that you, you, know, you put in the slot of a machine. Kathy Keller tells a story about a, a Coke machine that they had, and you, you put a coin in it, and the coin would never go through until you'd banged it enough times on the side, and then suddenly the coin would drop. And you'd get your, it's, it's kind of like that. There's something about it that, that suddenly you realize and you realize the story isn't just about farming or seed or superficial. Wow, it's talking about me. And then I look at it and I go, man, I can be like that path and I can be like that rocky soil with no root and I can be like a, a, a plant that's growing and being choked, right? We're going to talk about those things over the next three or four weeks. But in the middle of it, he says this, Disciples came to him and asked, this is verse 10, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they don't see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and listen to this, and turn And I, Jesus says, I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. 
For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear, but did not hear it. So the question is this. What is he talking about that these people don't see and don't hear? What's he referring to? Well, simply, it's the word. He says it's a seed. It's a seed that's thrown out and put into minds and hearts and seeing whether it will take root and flourish. So these people who are people who hear, who see, but don't want to really hear or really see. I want to stay on a superficial kind of level. I don't want it to change me. I'm kind of happy ticking along sort of at church, but I don't really want God to, to change me and shape me. I want an ally in God, not a master. I want to go to scriptures that tells me and supports my how I think and what I do rather than go to the scriptures and hear how I should be and how I should change and how if I let that word grow, that it will change me and shape me into how, what I should be. We don't want that. I didn't want it as a teenager. There's plenty of times in my life where I'd rather have had other things. So Jesus gives the story and he says, this is about, do you listen? Now I want to put it together with another little Thing that's kind of bugged me for quite a long period of time and bugged is the wrong kind of term with it, but probably an observation. Bill Vasilio is a speaker, many of you will know, Australian guys come across to Teacher Springs many, many times and we were doing family camps one year and I was listening to Bill speak and one of the things he does, the technique that he uses is he'll start a verse off and then, and then pause and, and uh, wait for people to finish it. Right? It's a good technique. It's really, really quite interesting. And a couple of times he started off a verse and nobody in the crowd could finish it. So Bill and I were sitting later and I said to, I said to Bill, yeah, that, was, that was interesting. And he just said to me, Jeremy, he's a bit older than me, he said it's something that I've just noticed over my time that if he had done that 40 years ago, he said the majority of people would have finished the verse. Now, I don't want you to confuse rote memory verse learning with knowing and understanding the Scriptures. But I would say this. I think that biblical literacy is declining at a rapid rate. And I think that's a big part of why we are not fruitful as individuals and as church communities as we should be. And I think it's time that we thought about deeply more and more the reasons that may sit underneath it. One of them is this. Do I really want to hear it? Do I really want to hear what the Bible is telling me? 
Or do I just want to go to the places where the Bible tells me what I want to hear? But another part of it is, I think there is some things that we've just lost in just being able to read Scripture, spend time in it. A big jump occurred in my Christian life when I was about 23, 24, and we moved to the Waikato from the Manawatu. We moved up in the world. And I started going to a church which had a, a wonderful young adults group at it. And there was a group of young men, they were a couple of, two or three years younger than me. And every Friday morning, we would get together at six o'clock and we would have an hour together. And all we would do was this. Each person had to bring something from the word that they'd read that week with a little comment. Nothing else. Right? That's all we would do. Sitting together with a group of young men just reading the scriptures was so powerful, right? Around the same time, I got introduced in many ways to, or maybe I just started really hearing it, people who would be able to give basic principles of how to unpack the scripture. Because going to the Bible can be very intimidating. You read it, it's a different cultural setting, it's hard to kind of understand sort of bits of it. But it's, it's something like anything that the more time you do with it, but also learning some good techniques of how do I unpack and learn and read Scripture. And it's very easy these days just to go to a book or go to a sermon series from somebody else who'll tell you what it's about and not enough time just reading God's Word together. Now, you, now I'm, not, I'm not bagging authors or people who, who preach, don't get me wrong, <laughs> they are important. But if it's at the expense of everybody in a church spending time together, reading God's word, helping each other to apply it, remembering that what Alistair Begg talks about over and over, the main things are the plain things and the plain things are the main things. Mark Twain said, the problem I have with the Bible is not the things I don't understand, it's the things I do understand, right? I, you, you know what he's saying there, isn't it? We think it's this just the big confusing, we can make it out, it's this big confusing mess, but actually it's my heart that doesn't want to hear what the Bible talks about sometimes. Today I'm just trying to make one very simple little plea in just small ways where is your heart at? Does it want to hear and listen what God has to say through his word to you? The parables are interesting because it's, um, they're diagnostic. So we read it and we see what he's heading towards with this, this good soil and a good crop. But did you read as you're going through it, you're going, isn't that interesting? That if this word isn't in me and I'm not, my heart isn't good soil, and it's not being fruitful both internally in terms of my character and externally in the way I live my life, then I'm going to see some things. One is a snatching away. I'm actually not interested, right? I'm actually not really interested at all in what it's got to say. And there's an enemy that sits down there. We draw a nice fluffy bird taking this, this, 
the seed away, but there's an enemy who, sits, who wants to snatch it away, doesn't want you interested in it, wants to take away anything of your desire to learn the Scriptures and learn what true life, what real reality, what real freedom is, wants to take it away. There's a second one, though, that's this, this root, you see. We want God to make my life happy. We've talked about this a number of times, haven't we? God, just make my life happy and without troubles. That would be awesome, God, right? But it's like a plant with no root. Sun comes up, scorches it. How many times in the last just two or three years have you had things happen in your life and you felt scorched? Things that have just burnt you. This is what it's referring it's, it's diagnosing something. The roots aren't deep going into places that will sustain you in these times. The third one is a really interesting one because this is one that grows. This, this is a plant that is growing, but it's being choked. It can't grow properly because there's weeds around it. There's, there's things that have been left sitting around that grow, that stop that word becoming fruitful and making the transformation that should be present with it. And there's more than this, but he says two things here that are really interesting. See them in verse 22? What are they? The what? The worries of this life. Isn't that a fascinating phrase? That a weed that is sitting around and choking you and stopping you from being fruitful is worrying day by day about things of this life. You've taken your eyes off eternity. You've taken your eyes off that there's a greater kingdom in place. And it grows up and it worries you. You're thinking about it at night. You're waking up in the morning and that's what's the first thing that sits on your mind. It sits there sitting in behind through your day. You get moments where distractions are taken away and the worries come back. It's diagnostic, stopping you from being fruitful. What's the second one? Deceitfulness of wealth. I love you guys, but we live in a decile 10 community. Wealth is deceitful. That means it looks like it's going to promise you everything but it's deceitful. It tricks you. It's not saying the wealth is wrong, although sometimes it is. What it's saying is that it has the ability, if you don't put it in its right place, that it's a weed that grows around you and chokes you and makes you unfruitful. So there we are. There's the diagnostic tool. Feeling scorched, feeling choked. So what's our response? What's our response? Two quick things as we close. How are you putting down deep roots? How are you doing it? The deep roots are saying in this instance, it's saying that I believe that the scriptures, when the word is implanted in me and is growing in me and is teaching me about the king and his kingdom and what that looks like, 
that I will put down deep, sustaining roots that will sustain me no matter what life can throw. Scorching sun, devastating frosts. <laughs> Sorry, is it too soon? But we know, isn't it? Tender stuff can be destroyed, right? This is what he's saying. But it's also saying, am I doing the weeding? Am I sorting out the worries that I have in this life? Am I putting wealth in its proper place? Am I forming a heart that is making this word have the ability to be fruitful? We're going to come and, and uh, sing this song that the, um, the team sung to us during communion. I just want to leave you with that thought. In the next two or three weeks, I'm going to teach you some principles that I have found very helpful we use them on Thursday night in the group that we're running here. But I think people get afraid with scriptures about how to go about, how do I do it. I'm going to teach that in the next two or three weeks just to help you get a little bit of encouragement in the way that you read scriptures. Give you some techniques and some stuff in that. But even that is not helpful if your heart isn't in the right place. And so I want you to think about that now, but I want you to think about that during the week. Diagnose yourself. What are you putting in place that the seed is landing on good soil and has the ability to produce the crop that the king of the kingdom promises us? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this parable even though it's hard for us to read in many ways because the reality is that we are prone to being scorched. We don't put roots down as deep as we should. We're prone to being choked because we worry about so many things in this life and we put far too much trust in material wealth to sustain us and give us our happiness and security. Father, would you give us ears that really desire to hear and eyes that really desire to see in ways that we would turn and repent and allow you and your voice to speak deep into our souls and grow up and produce a precious and wonderful crop for your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 138 says, I give thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. 